since then, but praise the Lord, he's back, and there are others who have been out sick, and, and others who uh, have been, been home, and I'm just so thankful uh, that uh, so, so many of us are back, and like, like Brother Dan said, we need to continue to pray uh, for those that aren't able to be here, those who are still dealing with sickness, and be praying for Gloria. I, I found out that she'd had, she had three TIAs um, last, last week. Um, she's feeling better, but a TIA, if you're not sure what that is, is a it's big word, transient ischemic attack, or people call them mini strokes. Uh, the good thing about a TIA is that they resolve and there's not, no leftover deficits or problems. Um, but it's also a, a kind of a warning signal of what might take place. So we need to be praying for Gloria. And, uh, and uh, she's been, she's, she prays for all of us, does she not? Uh, it, it is, it is, it, we need to be praying for her, and uh, man, I'm thankful for the prayer warriors uh, that we have had over the years, and uh, continue praying for the, Saint, the, the, uh, the uh, Rose Blair's family uh, as, she, as she passed on last week, and uh, we need to uh, be praying for them as they prepare things for uh, the funeral coming in February. All right. How is your vision? Mine's a little blurry. <laughs> it's, not, it's not too bad, but how's your vision? Uh, what do you mean? I can see just fine. Well, some, some people need glasses. I see some glasses out there. Some of you are hiding the fact that you need glasses because you're wearing contacts, and others of you are just fine. Uh, years ago, I, had, uh, uh, I used to wear glasses. Now, when I was a kid, I, now I want you to feel bad for me. When I was a kid, my first pair of glasses were my mom's glasses, and I had to wear them to school. And everybody said, oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, you're all laughing at me. That's what you're doing. Uh, that's what all the kids did. Uh, but uh, I, I found out that I needed glasses. And as I grew up, uh, guess what happened? When I, when I hit 24 years old, I went and I got my vision fixed. Uh, I didn't need to put on corrective lenses anymore. They used, they used a scalpel. I won't go into the whole surgery. They cut. Maybe I will. I, I, like, to, I like to watch Marge squirm. Every time I talk about stuff like this, she squirms, and it's fun. Uh, so uh, they, they, they cut, they cut, the, uh, they cut the, the lens, and they peeled it back, uh, and, and they shot a laser in there and burnt whatever they needed to burn, so it corrected my vision. And then they put that flat back over, and it seals by itself all over, and Marge is going to leave us now. And I'm just kidding. She's not going to do that. <laughs> She just stopped listening. So, uh, but guess what? When I, I, I can remember I, I was, my vision was messed up when they were first finished because it takes a little while because they put drops in your eyes and all this other stuff. And I had to have somebody drive me home. And, and uh, so I, get, I got home and I, they said, you know, just go to bed and, and sleep. And, and then tomorrow, get up. And, and I can remember I went to bed and I got up in the morning and I, I looked out the window and I said, there is a tree outside my bedroom window. I didn't know that before. Do you know why? Because when I got up, I was never wearing my glasses. And my glasses were always on the, on the, on the, uh, and I was able to see for the first time. And it's been great for a long time until just recently. My eyes are starting to get a little bit blurry. Uh, but it's important to be able to see. But, but, but I want you to understand when, uh, when I talk about the vision and what your, what, how is your vision, I'm not talking about how you see with your eyes, but more importantly, how you perceive the world around us. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Now, sometimes we, 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 we look at uh, that verse and we say, well, we need a vision for our church uh, and what direction we should go and, and how we should live our lives. But that word vision and the way it's used in the Old Testament isn't, isn't talking about uh, some supernatural vision that, that, that God gives us that directs our lives. It's specifically talking about the, the understanding of the word of God. Because back in the Bible times, God spoke to us not through the, the didn't, didn't speak to them through the word, the written word, because they didn't have it back then. Did they not? Who did he speak through? Holy men of God. The prophets. And he would speak to different prophets at different times. He was one says at sundry times and diverse ways. He, uh, he would speak to the people of God. And I'm so grateful that God spoke to us. But so what that verse was talking about was, was is not that, uh, uh, that uh, there was not a, a vision, but there wasn't a, a, a clear understanding of God's word. And if there's not a clear understanding of God's word, there it says the people perish. The Bible also says this, a hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Uh, when we have hope in God, man, we have hope, do we not? How many of you are glad that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Uh, and that you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And guess what? You have hope. Everything, things can happen in this world, and, and they have, have they not? Uh, uh, things can be, going, can be difficult. Things, can, uh, things in your life uh, could be uh, tremendously uh, painful or difficult. But and, and you cannot lose your salvation as long as you have hope. Man, you're okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, if, if Christ is not risen, if there be no, no, uh, uh, no uh, rising from the dead, then we are of all men are most miserable. Why? Because we've placed our faith and our hope in something that wasn't real. But, but then I, I am so thankful he goes on and say, but Christ is risen. Right? Uh, we do have hope because Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. Uh, we have hope. Uh, uh, we have vision in the word of God. Uh, and, and Lamentations chapter 3, uh, verse 51 also says this. And I'm not taking it out of context. I'm taking what he has said and showing us a principle here. He's talking, in Lamentations, Jeremiah is talking about what he has seen God do in judging the people of Israel. And he says in verse 51, he says, Mine eyes, he says, Mine eyes affecteth my heart. The sea, the things that he was seeing in, 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 that was going on in Israel, man, it, it, it brought a, a heaviness to him. Is that not true? The things that we see affect sometimes the, the way that we think and the way that we feel. Man, these last two years has been a tough two years. And listen, even if COVID hadn't happened, some hard things have happened in people's lives. Uh, this isn't a message against COVID. Uh, we, we all go through difficult times and diff, difficult, uh, difficult and troubling instances. And, and, and there are two ways that we can look at things. We can, we can look at things uh, with a humanistic kind of viewpoint, uh, an earthly, temporal, temporary viewpoint, and, and that's the way the world sees things. Right? We can look at it one way, but there is another way that we can look at things. God's way. You say, well, I don't know that there's really two ways. It's very simple. Uh, how many of you, I can prove it through Scripture. Uh, how many of you remember when, uh, how many, dis, uh, how many uh, spies were sent into the, the promised land? There were 12. You all sang the song? How's it go? Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Cain? You never heard this song? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. 
man, you guys really, I cannot, I don't know how many times I sang that song as a kid in Sunday school. All the time. But that, that, the account of when, when Josh, or when, not Josh, when Moses sent those 12 spies in, uh, understand, some went in and they saw, they saw the walled cities. They saw great defended cities, uh, the, 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 specifically the city of Jericho. Uh, the Bible says that, the history tells us they had a wall uh, that was wide enough and big enough for them to build homes inside the wall and that they could race chariots around on the top of it. That is a big wall. And they, they saw those, the, those walled cities and they saw the giants. Man, they, they saw, they, they saw the, uh, the armed enemy and they were afraid. They also saw the the the, uh, the grapes. Uh, the Bible talks about the, the the grapes that they had to carry on on these branches uh, between two people. There's so much. Uh, they called the land of milk and honey for a reason. But but they said, guess what? We saw all those things. But in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers. In our sight. They, they said, we see the giants and we see the walled cities. And yes, we see all the benefits of of doing those things. But we're better off not going in. Because you know what? They looked at themselves as a, they were a nation of, of people who had just left slavery. They were not a, a well-developed army. They hadn't been trained. They weren't, they, they, they weren't ready to go fight a battle. So they, they disobeyed God. But if you remember, Caleb and Joshua were also were two of the spies that went in. And while the others said, hey, listen, we can't go in oh, because of all these things. We, just, we need to be safe and stay here. Caleb and Joshua said, saw all the same things, but what did they say? God was in it. That God had promised them those things, and we should go after what God has promised us to have. See, they looked at the same thing, and they, they had two different reactions, because the one vision was a humanistic kind of worldview that, hey, I'm looking at me, I'm looking at them, and they are better than we are, they're bigger than we are, let's just kind of hang back. Caleb and Joshua looked at it through the, the promises of the Word of God. They looked at it through faith, and they said, God said, He's going to give it to us. Let's go in. Now, we know what happened. They all said, the nation of Israel said, we're going to listen to the ten and not the two. And God judged them for it, and they walked through the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were there, other than the, the children who grew up during that time, uh, that got to go into the promised land. Not even Moses got to go into the promised land. Now, that brings us back to 2 Kings chapter 6. Here in this account of, of Elisha uh, and the, 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 uh, the, the two kings, the uh, king of Syria, the king of, uh, of Israel, uh, we need to understand who, who the kings are. One was uh, the king uh, Je 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 Jehoram. Jehoram. Uh, he wasn't a good king, uh, but he was the king of Israel. And if you remember, uh, after Solomon, uh, they were split into two they were split into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom and the and, and the southern kingdom. Uh, one was a tribe of ten, or one was a, a nation of ten tribes, or a kingdom of ten tribes. The other was a nation or kingdom of, of two tribes. And the two tribes, uh, uh, Judah, they had they had some good kings and some bad kings. But the northern kingdom, they had all bad kings. And this is part of the northern kingdom. Je Jehoram was a, was a bad king. You go back a couple chapters. It says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like his father Ahab did. He wasn't a good king, but he would listen, as we can see here in the Word, he's sensitive to the Word of God, even though he's not a, 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 a good king. The other king, the king of Syria, is, is Benadad, and he's a wicked man. He's the king of Syrians, and, and uh, the, the Syrians were, uh, they were, they were coming in, they were affecting and afflicting the people of Israel uh, over and over again. 
And, and he, he had it in his heart to destroy the people of Israel. If, if we see that there in verse, uh, verse 8. It says, the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with the servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. He says, we're going to build our camp in this area. And we're going we're to go in and we're going to attack Israel from this area. And he expected to have victory because they had victory a lot back then. But something happened. The word of God, God spoke to Elisha. God spoke to Elisha there in verse, it says, in verse 9, says, The man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians came or come down. Now, so God spoke to Elisha. God, uh, Elisha then sent a message to the king and warned him of what was going to take place. And, and notice what it says in the next verse, 11, or verse 10, The king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there. And I love this, not once nor twice. Meaning uh, multiple times uh, uh, they, they had victory because they knew of the plans of the king of Syria. Aren't you glad that God knows the plans? Aren't you glad that, you know, you glad that God's in control? And, and if, we're, if we're going to be sensitive to the spirit of God and, and what, he, what he does, we know that he can give us victory. In fact, if you're saved, he's given you victory. Uh, uh, but, but as Satan is working in this world, and as things are going on in this world, and whether it's COVID or our financial problems or whatever else, know that God is in control and God has the answer. We see here the intense fight. If you're taking notes, we see the intense fight. Israel was a marked people. The king of Syria had a desire to, to attack them. Why? Because they were the people of God. Jesus said this, they have hated me, they're going to hate you. Just like Israel was a marked people and, and, and the king of Syria had a desire to destroy them, uh, can I tell you this, that you are a marked people and that you have an, adv an adversary, the Bible calls him the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may mess with. No trip up. No. Devour. That word devour means he wants to destroy you. Say, so, well, I don't know that I believe in the devil. Believe and be afraid. Now, I, I, say, I say that because in our own strength, we can't fight him. In our own strength, we cannot defend ourselves. But I will say this. James says it, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God has given us everything that we need through salvation and through the word of God that we can battle. He's given us, our, our, he's given us the armor of God. We talked about that last year about this time. Uh, as, we, as we began to go through the armor of God and how we are to protect ourselves in the day of battle. Uh, uh, the helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness, our loins girded about with truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Uh, we, God has given us all that we need that we can, be def that we can defend ourselves against uh, the battle, or the, 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 the battle that, we're, that we're in. It's a spiritual battle. But we need to remember that we have an adversary and he's coming for us. If you're a child of God, he has marked you. And he cannot take your salvation but he can destroy your testimony. They were marked people. Notice uh, the, the, uh, what happened uh, with, with Elisha. Uh, God, his ministry at that point of time was to, to, to deliver the word of God, and he did exactly that. 
He went to the king of, uh, of Israel and he said, this is what God has told me to do. Uh, uh, he, or this is what God has told me to tell you to do. And, and, uh, and, and, and the king listened. The king listened. Now listen, every, every ministry that we have in this church, what, what is the purpose of it? Two things. To glorify God and to further his kingdom. Every ministry that we have, whether it's, whether it's a club, whether it's the food bank, whether it's, whether it's Sunday school classes, whether it's going out and talking to people and being a witness, whether it's, a, no matter what it is, there's two purposes. It's to glorify God and to, to, to get the gospel out. That is our ministry. Guess what? That attacks Satan in, in what he's trying to do. He does not like it when we do that. He gets upset. Now listen, if you're just going to sit back and, and be, be a kind of a sideline Christian and, and not do anything, not really try to do anything for the Lord, you might get a pass for a while. Because guess what? You're not any harm to him. But what did Jesus tell the, tell the disciples? He, he taught that to, if you're going to, to go into the strong man's house, you must first bind the strong man. Right? Satan doesn't like it if we're going to do something. He's not, he's not going to be happy. He wasn't happy last week when Jennifer came forward and got saved. He, he disliked it so much that she got sick and isn't able to be here to get baptized today. I, 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 I want you to understand, she was so excited about getting saved, she called me on Monday and said, can you come talk to me about baptism? I said, absolutely. I showed up Tuesday, we talked about baptism, and, and, and she was excited. So excited, she started inviting family. While I was there, and asked me to talk to them, to give them directions to be here. Uh, and they, they were coming. They were, they were excited to come. And then she got sick. Why? I'll say, well, it just happens. Nothing happens. But nothing just happens. Now, I will say this. God is in control. And, 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 things, and he allows things to happen. But don't you think Satan might have done that? To Listen, if somebody gets saved, Satan will do everything he can to get them off track. We sing that song, excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil will supply if from church will stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those people out of church, he offers them excuses. Now getting sick isn't an excuse. But if you get sick, the longer you're out of church, can I, can I, let me just be, be direct. The longer you're out of church, the easier it is to be out of church. The less you come, uh, the easier it is to stay home. They say, well, I'm going to watch online. I'm not knocking our online mess. I praise God that we can, uh, we, can, we can watch online. That isn't church. The message might be a blessing to you. You might enjoy it. Uh, the, you're not enjoying mine or Dan's singing. Uh, but uh, you, know, you might enjoy the service. But, uh, and I'm not trying to knock on Dan's singing either. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. Didn't mean to say it that way. Uh, but you might enjoy it from home, but you're missing out on what church is for. Yes, you can, hear, you can hear better preachers than me preach online. You can hear more famous pastors than me. Uh, no, you won't hear a better word, because better word if they're right with God, and I'm right with God, we're all preaching from the same word. But you can, you can listen to people that speak better than I do, that look better than I do, that, that can sing better than I can. You can do that and be blessed. I do it all the time. Sometimes I need to preach that too. I listen to sermons all the time. But you can't receive the... the you miss out on the connection that we have with one another by sitting at home. And we need that connection. And, the, and it, for somebody who really desires to be here and to serve the Lord together and, and to, 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 to worship God together, you, you, you'll notice how much you miss it when it's not there, when you can't come. But the longer you 
stay away, the easier it is to stay away. It's kind of like that coal. You take the red hot coal that you take out of the fire and you set off the side. What happens to it? It turns cold and black and loses its fire. Why? Because in you, you have the Spirit of God. And sometimes we need to be stirred up. You need to stir up that inside. Peter said this, that he would stir up the church of God to remembrance. We need to be stirred up. We need to come together and, man, grow together. Uh, so, so, but they were, as they don't stay, well, the whole, I'm getting off track with that, but uh, I guess the Lord had it for a reason. Uh, we need to be together. We need to serve God together. We need to bring honor and glory to God in all that we do. And Satan will attack it. We see, we see that, uh, his, uh, that, he was, that the king was motivated to attack, uh, to attack uh, Eliad, or Elijah, Elisha uh, because of what had happened. Uh, he, was, he was upset. He thought somebody was, was, was tattling on him. He thought somebody, some, there was some mole in his, in his, uh, of his service that was going around and telling the king of Israel. And they said, no, no, it's not us. It's that man of God. That man of God, he's, listening, he's able to tell what's going on in your bedchambers. Well, how could he hear that? The word of God speaking to him. God was giving him what he was to say. He would, he would do what he was supposed to do, and that motivated the king to attack him. He mounted the persecution. I want you to see what happened here there in verse, verse 11. It says, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled, for the thing he called his servants and said unto him, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And, uh, and one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel. telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Verse 13, And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. Notice down to verse 14, Therefore he, said, he sent me hither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night. He mounted an attack. He is going to get the man of God, one man, one man. And he sent a host of horse, horses and chariots uh, to sneak, on, sneak up on him at night. And they, they were going to capture him. There was going to be no way that he was going to be able to figure it out or get away. And they surrounded him in the night. Satan will mount an attack against you. He will mount an attack against me. Do you think Satan thought that he could stir up some trouble with COVID? Do you think he did? How many churches are still shut down because of COVID? It has been two years, and there are still churches that are not meeting because they're afraid. I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful. When they, when they ask us to wear masks, we wore masks. I, I, I'm not saying we should, be, that we should just be stupid uh, or even poor testimonies. But what I am saying is this. We need to trust in God, not in the word of man or in anything else. Satan affected churches. Satan affected believers through that. And, and, and listen, whether it's COVID or some other trial or tribulation in your life, uh, whether it's uh, financial issues or, or, or family issues or uh, uh, marital issues or, 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 or parental issues or whatever trial or tribulation you're going through, uh, uh, listen, uh, Satan can use that to affect you uh, in your service with God. He will attack you. The question is what you do with it. The question is, how are you going to see that problem 
And what are you going to do with it? We, we, we talked about the intense fight. I want you to notice the instinctive fear uh, that, the, that the servant had. We see it here in verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? I want you just to, to think about this. Uh, uh, they went to bed that, the night before not thinking about being attacked. They weren't, uh, they weren't expecting any, any problems. They weren't expecting uh, difficulty. Uh, they just expected that they were going to get up in the morning and it was going to be the same as every other morning. And the, the servant gets up and whether he's walking out with a coffee cup in his hand, I prob- probably didn't have a coffee cup, but that's kind of how I pictured it this, as, I was, as I was preparing this message. He walked out with his coffee cup in the morning or maybe to go out to get some wood to put on the fire and he's picking up the wood and as he lifted up his eyes, he saw an army, not just over here off in the distance, but all around him. And his jaw drops. And he probably dropped everything he had in his hands, and he ran inside. When I was a kid, uh, I had a BB gun. And I, used to, I, was, I was outside shooting, doing target practice one day. We lived in a little town called Carrollton. And, uh, and uh, I, I was shooting at the wood pile. I had a bunch of targets in the wood pile. And you've got to be careful with shooting at wood piles because BBs don't go into wood. They bounce off wood. And, and I could have actually shot my eye out, um, uh, just like the, the, the old, the old uh, movie adage. But, uh, uh, but uh, I, I was there. I went up, and I was picking up some of the stuff that I'd, I'd been shooting. And I stood up, and there was a large, furry, antlered animal right on the other side. And I say right on the other side, literally like, four feet away, uh, uh, a massive deer with big antlers, and I was probably nine years old. My mouth dropped, I dropped the gun, and I beat feet. Now, it was just as scared of me as I was of it. But that was, I, I imagine that was his response. He was terrified. Notice what he said, alas! Why do you say alas? Because there's trouble? It's not something to say, alas, I'm having a good time. No, it's a, it's a, it was, it was, it was, a, he was, he was terrified. It was instinctive for him. Uh, the very first thing he thought of, why are they here? What are they doing? They're going to, they're going to kill us. They're going to, they're going to destroy us. They're going to take us captive. There wasn't anything good that he was thinking about. There, there was not a, a there was not a, any answer in his mind. There wasn't any hope. Uh, his, his eyes, as I said in, in Lamentations, his eyes affected his heart. It was a captivating sight. Behold, they're there. He's captivated. It, 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 it's all he could think about. When we see some trial or some challenge or some problem or some, it is easy to allow it to captivate us. We live in a world where uh, listen, the, the, the news cycle uh, is always pump, pump, pumping out the, the, the latest and worst news to, to, to stoke up and to stir up your fear. Uh, whether it's, uh, sometimes it's, a, it's the challenge ahead of us and we look at that challenge and all we think is how difficult and impossible that will be. Uh, we'll look at, the, we'll look at our, our marriage and, and, and maybe your marriage is going through difficult times and you're like, alas, my marriage, what am I going to do? We get to a place where we're just consumed with, we're captivated with the problems that we have going on. And those things will direct us. If you remember, Peter had faith enough to step out of that boat. And he walked to Jesus. 
The, very, the only man besides Jesus Christ ever walk on water that wasn't frozen. Uh, he uh, Walking on water. I, mean, I would have been terrified to ask that, but he asked the Lord, and the Lord said, come, and he did. But the Bible says when he saw the winds and the waves, they began to captivate us off, did they not? He was no longer thinking about, hey, I just walked 10 feet from the boat on water. He didn't think, I'm walking to Jesus, uh, uh, the one who bid me to come out. No, his thoughts were, man, those waves are big. Man, that, that wind's blowing awful hard. Ah! Splash. Lord, save me. We, we, we laugh about it, but what, what happened? His, his mind, his, his heart was captiva- captivated by what he saw. Is your mind and heart captivated by what you see? Are you overwhelmed with, with and, 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 and listen, it's instinctive in us to be afraid. Those, those ten, ten, ten spies, they were, in, they were instinctively afraid of the giants. You ever had to fight somebody bigger than you, stronger than you, that knew how to fight better than you? It's not fun, dummy, is it? No. Well, until, until you're on the receiving end and not getting any licks in. It, it, it's fun at first until it starts hurting. <laughs> Fear. They, they were afraid. and it, it began to overwhelm them and to captivate, captivate his, his mind. Notice the calamitous surroundings. It says there in verse 15 that, that, uh, that, uh, that he was surrounded. The host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. Now, from a worldly perspective, an earthly perspective, uh, uh, it, it, there, there is no way out. One man, one servant, surrounded, uh, they, don't have, they don't have any hope as far as, as, far as uh, the servant is, is, is concerned. He, he, all he sees is the enemy in front of him. And his instinct tells him to be afraid. But can I tell you this? Fear is instinctive. Fear is instinctive when our focus is in the wrong place. Fear is instinctive when our focus is in the wrong place. He was focusing on the problem, forgetting about God. Notice his clueless status. He said, alas, alas, how shall we do? He ran, he ran up to Elisha and says, what are we going to do? He had no clue. Have you ever felt that way? You'd be lying if you tell me no. Because <laughs> none of us always have all the answers. You may, know, you may think you know what to do, but the truth is, God's ways are higher than our ways. And, and, and while, they say, while the, 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 the saying goes it's, that uh, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle, that's not true at all. God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. Uh, uh, so, but if your focus is on you and your problem and you forget about God, uh, uh, man, fear will rise up in you and you're, you will be clueless as to what to do. You may try everything. Uh, everything in your arsenal and, and find out that, guess what? That wasn't the answer. There are a whole lot of people that do that. But the answer isn't found in ourselves. The answer is found in God. We see the, the intense fight, the instinctive fear. Notice also the imperative faith. The imperative faith. Now Hebrews tells us this. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We need to have faith. If you are saved, uh, you have faith. Romans 10 says, uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's through our faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2, and Romans and several other places, it's through our faith that we obtain salvation. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Uh, and, and if you're saved today, uh, you have a faith in God. that he, uh, And not just a faith in a God, but faith in God uh, and, and his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins. You're trusting that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was, was the atonement for your sins. And that when he died, he was buried for three days, and that according to the scriptures, he rose again on that third day uh, to live eternally. And he now sits in heaven uh, as, a, as a mediator, a go-between for you between mankind and God by faith we must have faith this man didn't have any faith but Elisha did notice what it says in verse 16 and he that's Elisha answered fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with him Faith dispelled his panic. First thing he says, fear not. The, Bible's, uh, the Bible is filled with, with, with time after time after time when, when, when God has t- told us not to be afraid. In fact, uh, Paul tells us that, 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 that uh, as far as fear is concerned, that, that God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Uh, so if you're afraid, it may be instinctual, it may, be, uh, it may come from your, 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 your old man nature, your fleshly nature, but it does not come from God. It could be something that, 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 that Satan whispers into your ear or, or this, this thought process, but listen, it does not come from God. God never once tells you to be afraid. Now, it does tell us that we are to fear God, knowing the terror of the Lord, we, pers- we persuade men. Uh, all throughout the book of Psalms and, and Proverbs, where we're told to fear God, it's the beginning of wisdom. But, uh, but it's talking about a reverential fear, uh, knowing who he is. And listen, if you're outside of uh, salvation, yes, you have every right to be afraid, because one day you will stand in judgment of a, of a holy, perfect, just God who will find you guilty of your sin. Jesus said uh, that he didn't come to condemn uh, the world, but that the world uh, was condemned already. Why? Because they have rejected Jesus Christ. And in their sinfulness will one day stand before him. But by faith, we're saved. By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That faith that was espoused by Elisha dispelled the servant's panic. He said, don't be afraid. It was a, his definitive proclamation. He said, he said, those that be for us are more than they that are against us. He, he, he was definitive in what he said. He didn't say, hey, you know what? We might, be able to find, we might be able to find a way out of this. He proclaimed that, the more that, that there are more for us than there are against us. Where do we get our faith? I already said in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are so many Christians that, that, that struggle in their faith. Now, the faith for salvation, uh, many people have, but our faith grows. 
The Bible says if you have a faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And, and if you have faith of salvation, uh, uh, that, uh, praise God. But, but there are times that our faith grows. It's almost like a muscle. The more it's tried, the, uh, the, God will put us through different situations. Uh, our, our faith will grow. We get to see God do more. And, and, and honestly, the, the greatest way for our faith to grow is through the Word of God. Because our faith isn't in what's happened. Our faith is in the Word of God. Because we see what God has done. See, the God, who, the God who, who, who parted the Red Sea is still our God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he has never changed. The Bible says that he cannot change. So that God is still my God. So the God that, that has never forsaken us will never forsake us. And the, the more that I learn of the promises of God, the more I learn I can rest in him. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. More importantly, that gives me peace. Now, Christians fear. Christians worry. Because it's our nature. It's our, it's our earthly nature. We're still battling that flesh, right? How many of you, how many of you are, have not been worried or are not currently worried about something? Anybody? You're not currently worried? Maybe not now. Just hold on. It'll happen. I mean, you worried yesterday or the week before, right? Things happen in our lives that, that cause us to worry. And while we know that God doesn't give us that spirit of fear, Paul told, does tell us how to deal with it. So be not anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication. Give everything over to the Lord. And then the very next verse says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will come upon you. Uh, having that faith... And, and placing those things in the hands of God when we face those situations gives us peace that we can't have. It, it's, it, it dispelled his panic. It was, there was a definitive proclamation. And listen, you know what the proclamation is for, was for Elisha? God told Elisha what was going on. He was able to proclaim about the king of Syria and his armies. He was able to proclaim here that, 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 they, that there were more uh, for, for them than there were against them. And listen, where do we get our proclamation from? The word of God. Don't have faith in what Pastor Rob said. Well, you know, Pastor Rob said this. Take everything I say worth for a grain of salt, worth a grain of salt. Compare it to what the Bible says and live by the word of God. Don't just trust me. I'm not saying I'm lying to you, but listen, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the word of God. It's the word of God that will strengthen that you're to stand on, not on my word. There are a lot of false teachers out there. Listen, you need to be careful of those that are out there espousing certain things. Uh, and say, well, this preacher said it. Just because he stands behind a pulpit doesn't mean he's preaching the truth. But if you find it in the Word of God, it's true. So we need to uh, make sure that what we're listening to uh, is, is uh, a definitive proclamation of the word of, from the Word of God. Notice uh, that desperate prayer of, of Elisha. He tells him to fear not. He encourages them with, with a word from the Lord. He says, and then he asks them this. He says, and Elisha prayed in verse 17 and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now see, Elisha had faith because he was looking uh, through, uh, through a heavenly lens. He knew that the Bible tells us, uh, just what, like David said, that, that, that God's people are always surrounded by, by God's army. They're protected. We need protection, do we not? We have an enemy. We, you, I can see you. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that we all have a guardian angel. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. We're not to worship angels. When, and I'm not here to tell you that each one has a specific... I don't know the angels' names and, uh, other than Gabriel and Michael, the only two that God tells us. I don't know uh, how many angels are, are around here, but can I tell you this? There, there is a battle going on right now that we cannot see. A spiritual battle. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, Daniel's praying and asking God for an answer uh, to, to, a, to a, a, a vision that he had seen. Later on in the chapter, he, the Bible says he fasted for 21 days. If you don't believe me, please write this down, go back and read it later. He fasted for 21 days, waiting for that answer. When the angel did come to give him the answer, he said, I, I was on my way on when you, the first day that you began to pray. But he had to fight, and uh, the the uh, the prince uh, the prince of Babylon. Now it wasn't an earthly fight. Who was the prince of Babylon? A demon. Uh, there, uh, he was he was he had to and he he needed help from another angel to, to help him to free him up so that he could come bring the the, the answer to Daniel. Say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. The Bible talks about it. I, I, I'm not going to sit and tell you that there, that there are chariots fired around, around us right now, but there is a spiritual battle going on. Sometimes if that spiritual battle is going on uh, uh, in your mind as, as Satan is trying to put in thoughts and, and, the, and the Spirit of God is saying, don't believe it. But that battle is going on. What do you think when you try to pray and those thoughts, your mind, have you ever prayed and your mind has gone a million different directions? You started out praying and then you started thinking about this and that and this and that had nothing to do with what you're praying. That's not God. And you can watch TV for four hours and, and, and never blink. But, but, to, but, to, but to, to, to pray and, and keep your mind focused on one task is nigh impossible. Why? Because Satan will try to uh, attack you. Listen, uh, understand that Satan uses our, our weakness, the weakness of our flesh to attack us. And, and there is that spiritual battle going on. And, and we need God to open up our eyes so that we can see through his lens. Because just like that servant saw one thing, Elisha saw something else. So well, how do I do that? Just like Elisha did. God, open my eyes that I might see. I'm not, going to, I'm not telling you that you're going to see angels or chariots of fire. But when you look at your problems through the, through the eyes of God, uh, through the lens of God, you're going to see something different. You're not going to see an insurmountable mountain that you cannot overcome. You'll see the victory that God can give you. You will not see a sickness that will take your, take your life. What you'll see is a sickness that God can heal. You will not see a marriage that is broken and cannot be repaired. You will see a God who can heal your marriage. You, don't, you will not see a child that has run away from God as fast as he could. You will see a God who will chase after that child. It's all in how we look at the problems in, the, in our lives surrounding us. Instead of looking at it with this earth, through this earthly lens and, and being in, uh, overwhelmed by, by the, the trouble and the problems. Listen, they are there. But, but what we do have is a God who can overcome all of those things. The Bible says faith is the victory. Elisha had a distinct perception. He saw, and at this point, the servant sees what he could not before. The heavenly hosts surrounding him. 
Miracles. The miracle here wasn't that those angels suddenly appeared. The miracle here was that the servant could see him. It was in the opening of the eyes. Listen, God always has a plan. Always. There is always a way of escape. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that you will never go through problems in your life. And I'm not even saying that God will always remove you from those problems. I, I praise the Lord. My mom is here today for the first time in, whew, since she got sick. Spent time in the hospital, in the, uh, in the ICU, all alone with the curtains drawn so she couldn't see out. They weren't trying to not see her out, but they're trying to keep her privacy. But she was alone. The only time she got to talk to, to anybody was over the phone or, or through, through uh, uh, FaceTime. And, and man, people were praying all over the country. People were praying for her health. And I praise God that she's here today. There's an answer to our prayer. God didn't heal everybody. There are others who were prayed for who went home. One, one of the, one, a great man of the faith, a man that I, that, uh, that I grew, up, uh, his, uh, grew up under his preaching, uh, his name was Gary Forney, a missionary to the Arctic. And when I say Arctic, I don't mean just like up in Canada. I mean like the, the Tuktoyaktuk, uh, the, the Eskimos, uh, way up in the middle of nowhere. You see the ice road truckers? Where they end up at the end of the road. That's where he was a missionary to. And he, and he was there for, for years. He got COVID and died three weeks before my mom got sick. Why? He was a man of God, still preaching. I don't know. Did he have people praying for him? Absolutely. Absolutely people were praying for him. But God allowed him to go on. Just just uh, Just because we're in the situation doesn't mean God will bring us out of the situation. He will bring us through it. And listen, Brother Gary, Brother Gary Forney isn't sick anymore. He's not sick anymore. He's walking on streets of gold with a new body. He's taking deep breaths with new lungs. Listen, he's, 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 doing, he's doing better than he ever did while he was on this earth. Say, so, well, that's, that's, that's everything he hoped for. Because he placed his faith in the word of God, not in the doctors, and not in any, anything else that was going on. Faith is imperative. We have a choice. We have a choice. We can see our problems through the lens of man or through the lens of God. We can see them as insurmountable and overwhelming and and impossible. Or we can see that we have a God who is able. I want you to notice one more thing. Now, that wasn't the end of the story. Verse 20 says, sorry, verse 18, And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. They came down to get Elisha, and Elijah prayed and asked God to make them blind. And God made them blind. And then he went out and said, Who are you here for? Now, this is... This, I'm paraphrasing. This is uh, uh, the uh, 
the Rob version. He says, who are you here for? He says, we're, we're, they're blind now. They're, we're looking for Elisha and for the, 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 this, the, this, the town of Dothan. He goes, you're in the wrong place and, the, and you don't have the right guy. I'll take you there. And he leads this, this host of blind people all the way to Samaria. You know what the king of Israel says? Look at verse 21. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, here he has, he has the enemy's army, this great host, who's, they've been a thorn in his flesh for a long time, and his desire is to destroy them. Verse 21 says, And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Man, he was excited to kill them. <laughs> Can I kill them? Can I kill them? This, man, you, you, it, was, it was like having a present wrapped up and tied up with a pretty little bow. This, these people that could not defend themselves, these people who had warred against them were now blind and unable to protect themselves. And he says, hey, can I, can I get rid of these guys? Well, I said, no. He says, he says in verse 20, 22, and he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Would thou, wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword? And with thy bows. Instead, he says, set bread and water before them. They may eat and drink and go to their master. He says, no, don't smite them. You're looking at them like the enemy. They've been taken captive. If they've been taken captive by, by your sword and by your bow in battle, would you kill them? He was looking at the, uh, these, these men as... The enemy. And as in doing such, he had a desire to destroy them. What did Elisha show? Mercy. See, Elisha wasn't looking at them as the enemy. We live in a divided nation. And it's only getting more and more divided. Whether it's Republican and Democrat, whether it's black and white, whether it's uh, this side of the tracks or that side of the tracks, whether you're wealthy or you're poor, man, all the, all the, the, everybody is trying to do is make that division wider and wider and wider and wider. And the problem with that is we can't have conversations anymore. It's I can't listen to you because by doing that, I'm succumbing to you, so I'm just going to hate you. There could be, there could be Republicans and Democrats here. Guess what? I don't care. Send in, some, send in some of the Green Party. I don't care. Why? Because that doesn't matter. They're not the enemy. They're not the enemy if, they, if, if, they're, if they, they, they come from a different background than you, or they have a different job than you, or they're a different skin tone than you. They're not the enemy. Listen, even those that are outside the walls of this church, they're not the enemy. I didn't vote for Biden. Don't like any of his platform. He's not the enemy, and he's not the devil. He is not to be had victory over. Listen, whether it was Biden or Trump, listen, the answer isn't in the White House. Neither one of them are perfect. They're both far from it, and so are we. They are not the enemy. We can, 
We can look at them as the enemy. We can look at the lost as the enemy. They are not the enemy. You know how we need to look at people? Through the eyes of Jesus Christ, who seeing them had compassion on them and mercy. Our vision is sometimes clouded. So used to looking at things through earthly eyes. Uh, they used to say this uh, that there were some people that were so heavenly minded that they were of no earthly good. The problem is nowadays we're so earthly minded that we're of no heavenly good. We see things through the eyes of man. We, uh, the, 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 the culture has so affected the Christi- Christianity in, the, in our country that, that we don't see things as God sees things. Our focus is on the, wrong, on the wrong thing. May God help us to see through the eyes of God. Listen, I'm talking to, to somebody here who maybe you've got a family member who you think is beyond help. Pray for them. Bring them before the Lord. Ask God to help them, to bring them back, to save them. Prayer still works. The gospel still works. You know how it works? through the power of God, through the word of God. Not through our convincing, not through our condemnation, but through the word and the spirit of God. He works in them. Maybe you don't know my marriage, you don't understand how difficult things are right now. I don't. God does. Pray for your marriage. Say, God, help me to have your vision. Open my eyes that I can see what you can do here. Have faith. Maybe there's something going on that's causing you to be afraid. Listen, fear and depression is rampant today. Suicide rates are 60% higher than what they used to be. Churches are closing. 3,000 churches a year are closing. Uh, the population growth is, is uh, the, the number of people that are coming to church. Uh, it's not keeping up with the population, uh, the growth of, of our country. And they say that only 20% of people uh, that uh, go to church on a regular basis. They claim to be Christians. Now, we, we claim to be a Christian nation, but 20%. I don't know what's going to, What can we do? Alas, what shall we do? Place our faith in God. Our nation's falling apart. Whether it's COVID or the wickedness that is out there, the pervasiveness, the, the division, all of it. I don't see how we can come to an end of this. And if we try to do it on our own, guess what? We're not. But we have a God who has already brought revival once to this country and can bring it again. Let's ask God to give us eyes that can see. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for, for the promises of your word. I thank you, God, that you do not change and that you are faithful. Lord, you know the hearts of those that are here. I pray that you would have, Lord, that you would have, have your way and your will in each one of our lives. 
Help us to have the faith that we need. Lord, help us to, to be able to overcome the struggles and the trials and all that's going on around us. Lord, help us to rest in you. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, God, I pray that today that you would open up their eyes that they might see the truth of the gospel and what it means for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with fear or being overwhelmed.